0: Hello everyone and welcome to the GovCon Judicata podcast, a show providing news, insights, and legal analysis on a variety of issues in the government contracting space. It's also the home of the Bid Protest podcast segment where we discuss GAO and Court of Federal Claims bid protest decisions, topics, and trends. My name is Joshua Duval and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's episode of GovCon Judicata podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duval, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder and managing partner at Matross Edwards, a government contracts and cybersecurity law firm. Now, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about myself or the firm's services, please feel free to visit the website, matrosedwards.com. That's m-a-t-r-o-s-s-e-d-w-a-r-d-s.com. And so with that brief introduction out of the way, let's launch right into the podcast today. And we're going to be discussing the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or CMMC. Now, before we launch into the CMMC, I think it's helpful to provide a little bit of background uh, into how we arrived at this situation, or how the Department of Defense, rather, arrived at the conclusion that it needed to implement third-party assessments of contractor cybersecurity. So going back to the late 2000s, there were instances of defense contractor data breach there were hacking, uh, the DOD was noticing uh, advanced persistent threats, or APTs, targeting the defense industrial base. And they realized that there wasn't a DFARS clause to address um, unclassified information on contractor networks. And so what ended up happening was they put a, a series of uh, a notice of rulemaking and proposed rules back going back to 2010, 2011, a final rule in 2013, uh, for uh, safeguarding unclassified controlled technical information. And so, what we're dealing with now, uh, you know, that sort of morphed into the clause that we have today, which is 252.204.7012, which is Safeguarding Covered Defense Information and Cyber Incident Reporting Clause. And so, the clause does a couple things. We have uh, Contractors required to provide adequate security on covered contractor information systems uh, to protect this covered defense information uh, by implementing the 110 controls under NIST Special Publication 800-171. It also has cyber incident reporting and also some uh, a provision discussing flowdown. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, NIST Special Publication 80171. I'm going to go over it briefly, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, It's titled Protecting Controlled and Classified Information in Non-Federal Systems and Organizations. And what the folks at NIST did was they broke these security controls into 14 families, uh, such as access control, awareness and training, incident response, security assessment, system and information integrity. And what these are are a series of actions and um, practices that a company can implement to help bolster their cybersecurity. So for example, 3.1.5, employ the principle of least privilege. So what that looks like is if you're a member of the uh, technical proposal writing team, you might not have access to the accounting and finance files. So this is one of the 110 controls that we're dealing with NIST, with NIST special publication 171. And so under the DFARS clause, contractors are required to self-certify compliance with these 110 controls. Now at the time in 2019, 2018, um, the DOD also recognized that, um, you know, it would be okay if you had a plan of action, a milestone, a POAM in place, because maybe you didn't have uh, the finances to be able to get all 110 controls in place, or you're still working out, or if you're a small business, you're still trying to figure out exactly how to navigate this cybersecurity stuff, so to speak. And so uh, with that, DOD also uh, had uh, some guidance about how the agency acquisition folks are going to be utilizing cybersecurity in their evaluations. So there was talk about go, no, go. Um, there's, there was uh, the guidance also discussed the uh, idea of utilizing cybersecurity in Section M. And so there was a a lot of things that the DoD was doing to sort of beef up this uh, cybersecurity with respect to defense contractors because they realized that these APTs, or Advanced Persistent Threats, these nation-state hackers, these proxies were targeting the defense industrial base, and and that wasn't going to stop anytime soon. And so this was a priority, and what DoD recognized, um, and I also believe there was an, an IG report in there sometime was that maybe not everyone was really up to par with this uh, cybersecurity stuff? Uh, the DFARS required self-certifications and 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 flow downs, and so there was problems with uh, you know prime contractors, you know, sort of taking on the risk of what happens when a, a subcontractor, or a third or fourth, fifth tier subcontractor isn't uh, providing this adequate security, or did they even need to? Because as I mentioned earlier. Uh, The DFARS clause uh, is tied to covered defense information, which um, includes, by the way, controlled, unclassified information. And so we had all these issues sort of popping up in DOD in 2019, um, early summer, I believe. So it wasn't that long ago, announced this cybersecurity maturity model initiative. So we have the CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification that they're launching, and, and that's what they were going to do to sort of remedy the, the problem that they saw, which was uh, folks weren't really up to par with cybersecurity, and at a third-party assessment was the route to go. And so what we have now with the CMMC, briefly, is a maturity model that is a little bit different than the <clears throat> excuse me, NIST Special Publication 800-171, to the extent that... It not only requires contractors to, per, to perform specific cybersecurity practices, but also processes, and that is sort of the maturity aspect of it. And so we have uh, five levels of maturity, so to speak, and that goes from basic cyber hygiene to intermediate to good to proactive to advanced. So we have five levels, and, and through all these levels, contractors are adding more practices and adding more practice uh, processes on top. And so from a process standpoint, this maturity aspect, uh, level one is performed, level two is documented. So level one, they're not doing any processes. But by level two, the OD is saying you got to have two process. Um, each practice that you're uh, uh, doing is implemented and documented, and then a policy that ex- exists that includes all the activities. By level three, you're getting to managed. So now you have the, your your cybersecurity plan is, is maintained and and resourced that includes all the activities. And by level four, we're getting to a place that your activities are reviewed and measured for effectiveness. And by level five, you have a standardized, documented approach about, across all applicable organis- organizational units. Excuse me. And so as we're moving up these steps, these processes are sort of in place to help ensure that you're really focusing on cybersecurity. Uh, for anyone that's in the cybersecurity industry, you know that cyber is not a, a static uh, binary type of thing. It's, it's always moving. It's a fluid process. And so with that fluid process, so to speak, then we come down to the practices. And as I mentioned, level one was basic cyber hygiene. And there you have 17 practices, which are equivalent to uh, FAR 52.204-21, basic safeguarding of covered contractor information. And so uh, at level one, you're having these 17 practices. By level two, you're adding 55 more practices, these cybersecurity practices on top. Uh, And this is this intermediate stage that's sort of preparing contractors to become compliant with NIST Special Publication 800-171, which is level three. And so by level three, you're adding another 58 practices. And what that gets you at level three is the 110 controls under NIST Special Publication 800-171, uh, as well as 20 additional practices to support good cyber hygiene. So we've got one through three, uh, sort of, you're building upon that. And level four and level five, you're adding 26 practices in level four, and and level five, you're adding another 15. So what are level four and level five? Well, they're they're also protecting controlled unclassified information, but they're they're set up it such that the cybersecurity framework within your organization is. Uh, to help reduce the risk of APTs or advanced persistent threats. So we're talking about folks that are in uh, the DOD will uh, presumably have some sort of policy or or documented uh, rationale for when uh, these acquisition personnel should be choosing level four or level five. So as you can imagine, this is sort of... uh, a more intensive process going up the ladder so to speak and 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 going back to level one we're talking about basic safeguarding of federal contract information that level two intermediate is that transition step to get you to CUI level three you're protecting controlled and classified information according to this maturity model Level 4 and Level 5, you're protecting the CUI, but also reducing this risk of of, um, advanced persistent threats. And so this goes beyond the NIST Special Publication 800-171. It includes other sources of cybersecurity uh, controls, such as the Center for Internet Security Controls version 7.1, the CERT Resilience Management Model, uh, NIST Special Publication 853, among others. And so the CMMC is more robust than what we currently have, but before we dive into the status now, I think it's important to, for contractors to remember that, first of all, the DOD CMMC is not yet a rule within the DFARS. So if you come across DFARS 252.204-7012, you're still required to self-certify compliance with the 110 controls under NIST Special Publication 800-171. And so now turning into how is this uh, entire CMMC going to be uh, applied? Well, first of all, this, the rollout is going to take about five years. And so what does that look like? Well, the latest from DoD is that there's going to be about 15 Pathfinder contracts um, where the CMMC will be included in it this fall. And over the next five years, more and more contracts are going to include the CMMC. And that means that uh, every contractor that is doing business with the Department of Defense is going to be required to have this certification. And so the question is then, who is doing the certifying? Well, there's a third-party nonprofit called the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Accreditation Body, (CMMCAB), ab And they're a 501c3. They're entering uh, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding with the Department of Defense. And they are setting up the framework To go out and train and provide the training and all the requirements uh, for these third parties to go out and conduct these assessments in the defense industrial base, and so we have the CMMC being set up and they're rolling out right now. And so that those that is the entity that's going to be overseeing these third party uh, certification effort. And so how is the CMMC going to be used? Well, first, as I mentioned, it's going to be a go/no go, and so. Uh, to be eligible for an award, all contractors are going to be required to have this, and that's both at the prime and the subcontract level. The interesting thing from DOD is that the prime contractor might have a different CMMC than its subcontractors. And so one thing we're sort of trying to figure out now, and we're hoping to obtain some guidance and, we're you know, over the next couple months, I would imagine we're going to get more information out of DOD on this. Is how are they going to go about choosing the CMMC at both the prime and on the subcontract level? Will it be by PWS? Uh, as I mentioned, this is the document is sort of tied to protecting controlled and classified information, so that's going to have um, an impact. So we just don't know yet about how that's going to happen, but that will happen. So if you're doing uh, work with as a subcontractor with a prime and they've got a level four. And you're a small business, don't worry. It is entirely possible that the threshold that you might need be required to meet under the contract is, uh, say, level three or level two. And so beyond that, the next thing is, well, how long will it last? Well, DOD has said it's a three-year uh, certification, and that makes sense. As I mentioned earlier, cybersecurity isn't static. It's a fluid process. Things are always changing. And so we have a, a three-year certification and when are you going to be required to have it? That's a, another question that folks are asking. And, and DOD has said that it's at the time of award. And so uh, for these 15 Pathfinder contracts that uh, are released sometime this fall, uh, those folks are going to have to get certified by the CMMC AB and its third-party assessors uh, by the time the, uh, the the agency is ready to make an award. And so that is, uh, on the one hand, good news for small businesses because it you't know, hap- it doesn't seem like you're going to be required to have a CMMC at the time of proposal submission, which given the length of acquisition, there could be several months or sometimes even years in between when you submit a proposal and when the award is made. So that that's something to keep in mind. Um, as I mentioned, um, over the next five years, not only are more contracts going to be uh, having the CMMC, a go-no-go threshold in it, but the accreditation body is going to be c- c- continuously conducting these assessments, and, and three years later, then we're going to start having reassessments. So that's something that, that still needs to get hashed out when we're waiting for more information on. And the other thing to think about with the CMMC is... Uh, uh, its impact on small businesses in addition to mid-sized businesses. One is going back to the go-no-go threshold. Will it be used as a means of sort of restricting competition? What happens when uh, the CMMC is chosen at level four for the prime? Uh, You know, is that something that can be challenged? Um, And the other side of the coin is uh, for small businesses, whether or not uh, the agency's determination will have an impact on the rule of two analysis And so that uh, is the rule that says if there's two responsible small business concerns that can provide uh, services at fair market prices, the acquisition has got to be set aside over a certain threshold. And so if this CMMC is at level three or level four, is that going to impact the agency's decision to say, hey, look, we don't think there are two small businesses that can do this at level four, so it's going to be unrestricted. And besides the challenges here with respect to the CMMC as, as it relates to the agency's determination as to what level to include in a solicitation, the other thing that folks are sort of wondering is what happens when uh, a contractor uh, has uh, performed a gap assessment, figures out where their uh, cybersecurity posture is, they've hired a third-party company to come in, and, and, and they believe uh, that they're at a CMMC level four and they get the you know accreditation body to come out with the their third-party assessor. And the, the assessment is uh, completed. And lo and behold, the assessment is uh, for CMMC Level 3. Now, if you've spent all this money trying to get to Level 4 because that's what you believe you need in order to do business with the Department of Defense and to be uh, have a competitive edge, so to speak, what's your redress for that? How do you challenge that if you believe that you have done everything you can to be at a level four, but now you're at a level three. Um, With the the nature of federal government contracting and acquisition life cycles, uh, including the use of these best-in-class vehicles or these larger IDIQs, uh, one level off of a CMMC rating could mean the difference in hundreds of thousands, if not millions in lost profits and for sure revenues uh, for these companies. And and for those of you who are uh, focused exclusively or, or make uh, a big part of your uh, organization's uh, efforts are tied to doing business with the Department of Defense, uh, this could be a real problem. So we're hoping that we'll see some more guidance coming from the CMMC accreditation body as to how uh, one can challenge this and, and if it will be challengeable and what the timeline looks like and and with respect to small business, the other side of the coin is, you know, utilizing um, your mentor-protege relationships uh, to, to help you uh, climb the ladder of the CMMC, so to speak. And so there's a lot of things to think about uh, when we're talking about the cybersecurity maturity model certification. Uh, we anticipate that DOD, again, will uh, is already in the process of creating uh, rules. Uh, it's possible that uh, going back to the DFARS 252.204-7012 clause that DOD simply replaces uh, references to NIST Special Publication 800-171 with CMMC Level 3. But that's not a guarantee. They might do other things. And the other thing that we're hoping or you know anticipating seeing is some sort of uh, policy or procedure uh, with respect to how the DOD is going to go about choosing the appropriate CMMC, not only at the prime contract level but also Uh, for the subcontracts that are within the supply chain. Now, DOD has said that, you know, hey, look, most of y'all are going to be at CMMC Level 1, and as I mentioned earlier, that sort of um, ties to the FAR 52.204-21 Basic Safeguarding Clause. But uh, for folks out there who are uh, doing business with the Department of Defense, and and if this is truly a go-no-go threshold... Uh, many of you are probably thinking, well, I've, I probably need to be a bit higher than level one uh, in, in order to do, to do business uh, at, the, at the type of um, level that, that is commensurate with the work that I'm currently doing and the and the type of contracts that I'm forecasting uh, to be able to go after. So that's something to think about, and with that comes cost. And DOD has also said that there will be um, allowable cost recoveries here, but for folks that are, you know, understanding how this process works, you've got to spend the money up front, so to speak, before you can uh, recover it uh, back in the contract. And that will be folded into your uh, cost and pricing structures. And that'll have an impact, uh, you know, how does one appropriately price that so you are in a situation where your uh, award, if it's under a FAR Part 15 procurement, is, is seen as the best value and so, with that, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover today with our initial uh, inaugural GovCon Judicata podcast about the CMMC. And so, to quickly recap, the CMMC will be a go/no go threshold in in Department of Defense contracting, starting with 15 Pathfinder contracts in in this fall, so fiscal the beginning of fiscal 21. Uh, the prime and the sub might have different CMMC thresholds. The CMMC rating is going to last three years and it will be done by third-party assessors who are overseen by the CMMC accreditation body. Uh, DOD has said that this uh, CMMC will be required at the time of the award, not at the time of proposal submission, so that's good. But we don't know what type of latitude uh, acquisition folks will have, so uh, will they start uh, wanting this at the time of uh, proposal submission? We don't know. Uh, For small businesses, uh, again, will this impact the Rule of Two? Can you challenge it? Uh, you know, Are you in a position where you can challenge not only the, the CMMC that's been prescribed for the procurement, but also the CMMC rating that you've been given by the accreditation body? So there are a lot of things to think about moving forward. We anticipate uh, more news coming from the Department of Defense. Uh, on the CMMC as we kind of continue on uh, this process and with that I just want to thank you all for listening to this inaugural edition of the GovCon Judicata podcast and be sure to come back uh, for more information not only on the CMMC but other podcast episodes as well. So thanks again and we'll see you soon. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duval, and I want to thank our sponsor, Matros Edwards, government contracts and cybersecurity attorneys. We really hope you enjoyed the show today, and if you did, please give us a follow on LinkedIn and Twitter at GovConJudicata. For more content, you can also visit the blog GovConJudicata.com, and for more episodes, you can always check out GovConJudicataPodcast.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the GovCon Judicata Podcast.